0: Last week, all creatures of our God and King, and this week, Be Thou My Vision, two of my favorite hymns. I love those songs. Well, if you were with us last week, then you know that we had our first parable from Matthew chapter 13, and that there was some imagery that was given to us. We had soil, we had seed, we had a farmer. This week, the very next parable in Matthew chapter 13, is about a farmer soil and seed and not just that both parables talk about weeds so is Jesus just giving us a repeat performance today did you could you have slept in and not come and missed anything the good news is you're here and you would have missed out on something I think because Jesus is not saying the exact same thing in these two parables in fact I think the way that we need to consider the parable of the sower, that was last week's sermon, this week the parable of the weeds, or tares, as your translation might call it, uh, are much like two sides of the same coin. As you know, coins have two images on either side, different from one another, they're not the same, and yet it is one coin. And, And I believe the same thing, the same idea is happening in these two parables, that We are to learn something about the kingdom of God, and we're going to give two images, two perspectives on it. But if we think these is totally separate, then we've misunderstood what Jesus is trying to do for us. He's uniting them together around the idea of the kingdom of God at work in this world. Last week, we saw one portrayal of that, one perspective of that in the parable of the sower. I'll unpack that just a little bit more in the sermon today. Today, we're going to see it through the parable of weeds. So if you have your Bibles with you, I would encourage you to open to Matthew 13, and we will pick up at verse 24. Jesus told them another parable, the kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while everyone was sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. When the wheat sprouted and formed heads, then the weeds also appeared. The owner's servants came to him and said, Sir, didn't you sow good seed in your field? Where then did the weeds come from? An enemy did this, he replied. The servants asked him, Do you want us to go and pull them up? No, he answered, Because while you are pulling the weeds, You may uproot the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. At that time, I will tell the harvesters, First collect the weeds and tie them into bundles to be burned. Then gather the wheat and bring it into the barn. And let's skip down to uh, verse 36. Then he left the crowd and went into the house. His disciples came to him and said, Explain to us the parable of the weeds in the field. He answered, The one who sowed the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world, and the good seed stands for the people of the kingdom. The weeds are the people of the evil one. And the enemy who sows them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age, and the harvesters are angels. As the weeds are pulled up and burned in the fire, so it will be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send out His angels, and they will weed out all of His kingdom, everything that causes sin and all who do evil. They will, th- they will throw them into the bla- blazing furnace, where they will be weeping. there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their Father. Whoever has ears let them hear. So to understand this parable, we need to know some facts. As I mentioned, some older translations like the King James Version talk about this as not being about weeds, but about tares, T-A-R-E-S. But if we were to do a Greek study of this, which is what you pay me for, so I did it for you, uh, (laughs) it was really illuminating. Not, Not really, but it's the, the Greek word that is translated here is weeds actually is related to a common, tr- common name of a weed called darnell. Anybody heard of darnells before? It's a, it's a weed. Uh, the weed is, darnell is of no value. And in fact, we're told that if it's milled, milled together with wheat, that what it ends up doing is spoiling the product, the flour that's created. And so it's not something that you want in a wheat field. Now the farmer has planted good seed, we're told that in the text, and we're told also that the soil is good, so this isn't the same kind of parable as last week. Already we have a clue, because last week it was all about the kinds of soil. This week that's not in question, it's good soil. And so the issue at play here is not not the soil, or the quality of the seed. But I want you to notice that in verse 27, the workers aren't so sure about this. You did... Plant good seed, didn't you? They asked. (laughs) Something's happened. It's surprising. They thought they were going to have a wheat field. The workers go out into the field. Suddenly, they realize that there are weeds all over the place. You did get good seed, right? Do you hear the question? And then there's the follow-up question. If you did get good seed, then how do you explain that there are weeds in the field. These workers are frustrated. That's what we should pick up on. They're, They're questioning, they're concerned, and they're not even so sure in the text. They're not even so sure about the farmer. But verse 28 offers us the answer to the questioning. The farmer, unlike the workers, shows no surprise at all or frustration about what's going on. But knows exactly what has happened. An enemy has done this, he says. Immediately, the response to this is well, do you want us to go and pick out, pull out the weeds? And the answer, of course, is no. But I want you to think about this. This is not just a fun little passage about weeds growing in a field. Jesus is living in a time where it's an agrarian society, meaning most people, the way that they provided for their family is by growing crops they could sell it but they could also feed their family with it so having the right kind of soil matters it was life or death having good seed mattered because it was life or death having weeds grow up in your field and how you dealt with them mattered because if you ruined your crop then friends you took food off the off the table from your family you couldn't provide for your family One of the peculiarities of Darnell, this weed that's in this passage, is that it looks a lot like wheat, particularly in the early stages of growth. So it's challenging to distinguish the two. Is that wheat or is that a weed? But by the time of the harvest, it's easier to distinguish the two, differentiate them. So the farmer suggests that we wait until the harvest time. And so it's wise what Jesus says here. So last week we had this story about the farmer and we casting seeds everywhere and the different kinds of soil and and we learned a lesson there. And this week we have another farming lesson. Is that all Jesus is concerned about is farming lessons? Well, if you were here last week, you remember me saying that in the gospel of Matthew, the parables are told for a specific reason. They're never surface value. You should never read a a parable in the Gospel of Matthew and think that the surface meaning is what Jesus is intending. He's not giving us farming practices here, although they are wise farming practices by ancient standards. That's only the surface. He wants us to go deeper. So what is the deeper meaning here? And it's here that we need to consider the differences between the soils of last week and the soil of this week. Last week. The various soil types represented individual lives, individual hearts, individual minds. We need to tend to the soil of our lives so that when God wants to cast his good kingdom seed into our life, it can actually take root, grow, flourish, and thrive. So we have to be careful about adding rocks from this world into our life. We have to be careful about where we go and what we do because weeds can sprout out and choke out faith in our lives. That was last week's sermon. We need to tend to the individual, uh, our individual soil, so to speak, our own life. But this week, friend, the soil doesn't mean or isn't intended to be interpreted as individuals. It's corporate. It's corporate. It's community. There are two ways that I think that we need to view this. The parable by itself, the first part of the parable without the later interpretation, I think gives us an opportunity to explore the idea of soil in this parable as being about the community of faith. Matthew calls the followers of Jesus, Later on, we're going to learn that the the name that comes to the followers of Jesus is the church, the ecclesia. I think we need to wrestle with the first part of the parable through that lens of the community of faith, the church. We are a particular kind of soil. But then once we get to the interpretation, Jesus is going to expand it to the world. And I'll explain how I think that works together. Interesting, the soil is declared good from the outset. Did you notice that? It's just good. And if we go with the perspective of it representing the church community, then I think this makes a lot of sense, doesn't it? The church is meant to be the one sure place in this world where good soil exists. I'm talking about spiritual soil, right? It's where God's kingdom is meant to be at work, If there was one place in the world that we would say you could go to that place and there experience God, surely we would see the church, wouldn't we? Wouldn't we? Wouldn't we? (laughs) I hope so. I mean, that's what I want to believe. I've committed my life to the church. I, I hope that that's true, that this is the one place that... It's not that we can't find God in other places, of course, but this is the surefire place that we could find God at work, his kingdom at work, his good soil surely is going to be in the church. Which helps to explain why the workers are surprised, I think, of what's happening. Because they know it's good soil. And they know it's good seed. So how do we explain the reality that there are weeds popping up amongst the plants that we want, the crop that we want? And the text tells us the the farmer knows it's the work of the enemy. Are you tracking where I'm going here? (laughs) So we have to acknowledge that just because the church is intended to be the outpost of God's kingdom in this world, and we believe that. And, and though we believe that if there's ever a place in the world or any place in the world where we believe that God should be at work, it's surely the church that's true. But guess what? We're not immune from the enemy working amongst us. Hmm. So this week, we, the church, are learning how we should be extra vigilant and on guard against the attack of the intruder, Right? I think we should be, but no. That's not what this parable is about at all, which is the surprising twist. We would think that maybe that's what Jesus would intend for us to to know here in this parable, that that if the the evil one is at work and, and the church isn't immune from it, the people of God aren't immune from it, friends, we better be vigilant, we better be on guard, we better be ready to attack. But that's not what this parable says. So yes, we definitely need to be careful with the soil of our lives. Last week's parable. But friends, that does not mean the church is a community that turns against the other when they don't do what we want or expect. The lesson of this parable is that we are to let the outsider of the faith live amongst us. Now, of course, saying that, already our, our gears are turning and we're wondering, well, how far do we take that? And later on in this gospel, Matthew chapter 18, uh, we're going to learn from Jesus how we're supposed to deal with sin in the church. But that's not Jesus' concern with this parable right now. His concern is that you and I are not quick, too quick to be judgers of people. In fact, if you pay attention to the end of the parable, we discover that this is not a our place at all. Did you notice that? Angels, the son of man, are all involved in the harvesting at the end. You and I are not. So even if a person seems to be more representative of the enemy's kingdom than God's, we are to let them live amongst us rather than uproot them from our lives and our community. No amen there, (laughs) because that's challenging. Really? Is that what this parable is teaching us? Is that we, the people of God, are not meant to be out uprooting and destroying? It's startling. But if you pay attention to the parable, it's not startling to the farmer at all. It's the workers that are startled. And frankly, I'm kind of startled by this parable. I don't know if you are, but you probably should be. But the farmer is not startled at all. He gives no signs of confusion of what's going on. Why is this happening? I thought I had good seed. I thought the soil was good. I thought my people were good. There's no signs of surprise at all. He knows exactly what's happening. And he has a plan. The son of man, we are told in the interpretation, is the farmer of this text. So Christ knows what's happening and why it's happening. And in some ways, friends, I think he wants this to happen. Now, why? Why in the world would Jesus want to tell a parable where he's essentially saying to the people of God, listen, you're not going to be a community closed off unto yourselves. There are going to be people that are different than you that are going to sprout up amongst you, and and they might not even believe what you believe, and they might even be against what you believe, but you're not to uproot them and destroy them. Why would he want to tell that parable? Maybe Jesus isn't so concerned with you becoming a weed. Maybe Jesus has high confidence in his kingdom wheat. You. How does somebody who is not a believer, who has never heard the the good news of Jesus Christ, how do they become a believer? How do they hear the good news? They have to meet somebody like you, don't they? They have to be planted near somebody, come across somebody that has the truth, that says to them, listen, friend, I have a different way. I've experienced something in my life. I can show you a different path. You do not have to be who you are. There's an alternative. If all we did was uproot and destroy, not only might we hurt ourselves and the church's witness in the process, but friends, I think we're prohibiting God from transforming the weeds among us into the wheat that he desires for them to be. Are you with me? So, According to this parable, you and I are meant to live with and amongst others. It seems to me that Jesus is less concerned about you and me becoming like weeds, which was last week's message, by the way. So, one side of that coin that we're holding together, don't lose sight of that. Your soil matters. And if you lose sight of Jesus Christ, then friend, the weeds will overtake your life. But if you keep your eyes fixed on Jesus, then friends, our lives can have more impact on the weeds around us. This is metaphorical language you're tracking with me, right? The weeds around us, then the weeds can ever transform us to be like them. That's an amazing thought. That we don't have to live our lives in fear of the other. Yes, we're going to tend to the soil of our lives and we're going to make sure that we're in tune with Jesus Christ. But when we're in tune with Jesus Christ, that means he's casting us all over the world. It means we're being sent out into our workplaces and into our neighborhoods to be kingdom wheat planted against those who may not believe, may not know that he even exists. But friends, you're planted right there in your neighborhood, right there in your workplace, right there in your family so that he can begin to transform those around you, because your eyes are fixed on Jesus, and he's not concerned that if your eyes are fixed on him, that you're gonna become like the other. Friends, more likely what's gonna happen is the other's gonna become like you. Whoa, I would like to believe that. How about you? There's so much narrative right now in our world about how us Christians are weak or how we need to fight those that are different than us. I don't see that anywhere We're in this parable. We have strength because we are fixed on, our eyes are fixed on Jesus. The soil that we live is good. And when we are in tune with Jesus Christ, the seeds of the kingdom sprout up in us so that we are like kingdom, kingdom wheat. Oh, there are good things that are happening in us. The world is not the enemies. I know that's the narrative that we often hear, and sometimes we say, out there is the enemies, only in here is God's. No, that's not what scripture says at all. All of creation is God's, isn't it? From the very beginning, he created all things, and he called it good. And the enemy has been at work distorting and disturbing, casting weeds everywhere. But friends, there's God at work, restoring, redeeming, reclaiming all of creation, planting you, his good wheat, here and there, here and there. Jesus says in the midst of this parable, let both grow together into the harvest. Friends, Jesus has planted us where we are for a reason, so I think we should trust him That was where I was supposed to end my sermon. (laughs) But I forgot a part of my sermon that I think I should probably clean up. I told you that I think the, the parable can be interpreted as the church. But Jesus interprets the parable as the world. Did you notice that? So here's my closing words to you. The church is brick and mortar. That's true. It's right here. Calvary community, brick and mortar, planted right here on this corner. But that's not all the church is, is it? It's people, it's you. So we're going to dismiss in a moment, and you're going to be breathed out into the world, not as an individual, but as the church, planted in the world. So I think these two things come together that we can view the soil of the parable as about us, the people of God, but then remember that we go out into the world, don't we? And that God wants you to interact with somebody this week that doesn't know the good news. Have your life shine in such a way that they wonder, what is it about you? I want to taste that. I want to experience that. Can I go with you? Can I learn from you? I think if we experience that, if we see that in our lives, and friends, that's a good sign to us that we are wheat. That God is at work. God, as we come to the end of our service today, we've sung beautiful praise songs to you. We've wrestled with the challenging parable. How we're to be the people of God in this world. What's the posture of our lives supposed to be? Are we diggers and uprooters, or are we just meant to shine, to embody your goodness? God, I don't know what you're wanting to say to each individual right now, but in the closing moments of this worship service, would you speak in a specific way so that we can make a commitment to you this morning of what we want to do and who we want to be this week, as we live into your kingdom and for your glory. In Christ's name we pray, amen. I'm gonna ask you to stand and let's close with the song.